Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later this hour, this is going to be weird, but if you're past age 40, what do you know about Social Security? What it does, what role it's going to play, and how much you can count on it? I'm going to hit you with that in just a few minutes. So this year, there's a record number of Americans that are going to be traveling outside the United States. With the incredible fair wars going on, with the deep discounters offering so much service now from the U.S. to places outside the U.S., it is leading to a lot of people who maybe never go overseas or very infrequently do, taking trips. But according to Consumer Reports, one out of six to one out of seven people, somewhere right in there, one out of six, one out of seven, will end up having an injury or medical problem that requires medical attention while you're outside the United States. And for so many of us, our health insurance does not travel with us outside the U.S. borders. Do you have any idea, if you have health insurance, do you have any idea if it covers you for outside the United States? Before you take a trip, who knows where in the world, find that out. Your insurer is really quick to tell you what they don't cover, so you should be able to find that out without too much trouble. The good news is you can buy a policy that covers you outside the country. Your own insurer, if they say they don't cover you outside the United States, you can ask, what do you charge for a supplemental that would cover me outside the U.S.? If they're like a supplemental what? Go to insuremytrip.com and look through the choices for coverage. The good thing with these out-of-country policies is that they do provide you a lot of options as to what you're going to be covered for. And the options are so many, you got to take the time to really read them. If you're going on a lengthy trip, the policies tend to get a lot cheaper because a lot of it's for the paperwork involved of issuing an initial policy. So if you're going on a long, long trip, round the world, whatever, buying one of these things will be a lot cheaper. I have a friend who had a loved one who ended up in a car wreck in Europe and needed medical treatment in the United States. And they had to spend a monstrous amount of money for a medevac flight back to the United States and did not have any coverage for that. And that's something that's very common now that you can buy a policy that will cover the medevac because that's that's a big expense even here stateside in the U.S., and depending on your insurance, they may cover that or not. But when you're outside the country, you know, it's 
something you should really think about, especially if you're going on an adventure kind of trip that would increase the potential of you being in an accident. You know, when we're planning a trip overseas, we don't ever want to think about these things. But I'd really like for you to put this as part of your pre-trip planning because it's bad enough to feel bad overseas. It's another to end up with your wallet really feeling bad, too. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Jennifer, uh, somebody is trying to get money from you for something that's not yours? Tell me. Well, it's actually with our utilities. About two weeks ago, um, about 9.30 at night, we had the power company with their rig and everything show up at our door asking if we had power because somebody had reported that we did not have power. And then the next night, the power company shut our power off. We have it back on, but then about five days later, somebody called in and turned our water off using our address. And we did find out the person's name that had been doing this, and now utility bills are showing up in their name to our address. What in the world is going on? So I'm just a little worried about possible identity theft or security purposes. Well, there's, Um, I mean, it's not possible. There actually is some form of identity theft going on. Do you think somebody is purposely trying to make you miserable? Is there somebody who might have a grudge? No, no. And the and the person's name that we found, we've done a little bit of just light background searching. There is another person by that name here in town, but I don't know why they would be doing that. We're not associated with them at all. And I understand that there's a lot of same names, but with avenue or place or street. So it's possible that there could be a mix-up, but our address doesn't doesn't correlate with any of those other streets. So this person is using your address that bills show up to, but yes. putting in service at a different address? I, I'm i not sure if she's, I mean, they're the ones that have been turning our power off and on. Well, we turned it back on, but they're the ones that have gotten it turned off as well as our water to get it turned off. And I guess switched over into their name. I'm not exactly sure it was. Gosh, that, that again, that sounds like somebody who's trying to cause you mischief. Yes. I mean, somebody who, that's why I asked you, is there anybody you could think of that has a grudge against you? Because that totally sounds like that. No, um, not so, anybody. I mean, we're not even originally, my husband and I aren't even originally from, from this town, so I'm not sure. Right. So uh, let's talk about the people who have caused you problems already, the power company and the water company. Are they putting into place any procedure to verify identity before they accept any more shutoff notices for your address? We have contacted them since then. We thought the power may have just been a fluke. But when the, when they shut off the water, we, we did put in, you know, passcodes and everything in place with the utilities. And then we preemptively called our gas company as well and put in a passcode in place, you know, saying no one except for my husband is allowed to, to turn gas on or off, and they have to have this passcode as well. Well, you're taking the right preemptive steps, but this person knows some amount about you. They somehow have your account numbers, I would guess. Well, anytime that I've called in to get utilities turned back on, they just needed our address. And so with the water, they, they asked if 
we were getting it turned back on in this other person's name. I go, no, you know, we've, we've lived here two years. It's not been for sale. It should have never been turned off in the first place. We don't Please know tell me on. you haven't been charged any junk fees by either of these utility companies. The power company has tried to charge us for turning the power back on, but we are disputing that. Okay. And in any way, any day, you should have to pay for that. And if necessary, you file a complaint against the power company with your state utilities regulator that we can give you the contact information for if you'd like that. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. All right, I'll put you on hold for that in a minute. All right, so as far as the preventative steps you should take, the most obvious thing you should do if somebody specifically has targeted you for mischief or a grudge or something that you're not aware of is this would be a case where for both you and your husband, you should go through the steps to freeze your credit files. Okay. But before you do that, I want you to set up for the free credit monitoring and score tracking that's offered by Credit Karma, K-R-M-A. You have to do that before you freeze your credit or else you won't be able to participate in their monitoring program. Okay. And that's completely free. I also have some other sources like Civic, which I've talked about before, that offers free monitoring for you i think i'd suggest you set up both you and your husband with them before you would freeze your credit but this would be a case where it'd be very wise for you because you don't know how many layers this will have and everything someone may be doing and hang on just a second we're going to get you the information for filing a complaint preemptively against the power company because no way i mean it is their fail that they don't go through any procedures to verify that the person is a valid person calling in. Okay. And you should never have to pay a fee because they're being lazy. We'll give you that info in just one second. Raj is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Raj. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Raj. You were in a little bitty accident, huh? Yes. uh, I was at a stop sign and one lady bumped on my car from the back. My bumper is off, but, you know, it's around $1,000, I guess, uh, expense. So I contacted my insurance, and they said either I file a claim against my policy or I can file a claim against the person who hit my car. You definitely want to file against the person who hit you. Okay. Um, Raj, were they issued a ticket by the police? No. Uh, I have to collect the police report tomorrow. Oh, okay. So the police did come... And they wrote a ticket for that person who hit you? Uh, I I don't think so. No? No. Wait, wait. You were stopped. They ran into the back of you? Yes. And the police officer didn't write that person a ticket for hitting you? Yes. I don't think they write a ticket. Did they give you a witness slip telling you you needed to appear in court? No. Well, that's terrible. Yes, and mine is a one-year-old car, Subaru. I had two kids in in the car, and the lady just hit from back. Uh, your kids weren't panicked. hurt, were they? No, everybody okay. was okay. Oh, great, great. Was a good part. Right, and did this individual have insurance? Yes, she is, she was a nurse. As she came to my car and asked, everybody's okay. She said she is a nurse, and if anybody's hurt, she can take care of. Um, the person or, you know, help. Um, uh, so this sounds like a good, decent, responsible person. Yes. All right. So when you get the police report, you'll know who that is. 
Now, one thing I should tell you, in most states, an insurance company doesn't have to pay based on like a police officer writing somebody a ticket for running into you or anything. It just helps if they've done that. But anyway, the officer's report will will likely say that this individual ran into the back of your car and you you contact the insurance company of the nurse and you want to do it through them because you don't want a claim against your own automobile insurance. You don't want to have to pay the deductible that you would have to pay. You know, they hit you, you want it to be taken care of by her insurance. Yes, and one more question, sir. Um, due to this accident, you know, there will be an accident history on my car that might affect my future value when I sell. Right, and this is, of- what a great question. There are a very, very small number of states that have something known as uh, diminution of value or diminished value. It's called both. And it's where an insurer, either by state law or through uh, court decisions, is required to pay you for the loss your vehicle has suffered even after it's been repaired. And again, it's a very, very small number of states that have that. And so in, in your state, I don't know, you're in New Jersey? Yes, sir. I don't know if New Jersey has diminution of value or diminished value. I don't know the answer to that. You should be able so to, find to find that out? searching around on the web pretty easily. Oh, okay. But that would be a great help. The most important thing is do not file against your own insurance unless you're forced to. Because your car is fully drivable now still. It just looks a little ugly, right? Yes. Yeah. So you can live with the ugliness a little while longer. And, ah, we found the answer. In New Jersey, if you are not at fault, you are entitled to a diminished value claim. Good job, Joel. So that is the but answer. In that, in that case, how should I proceed to 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 claim um, claim this? Well, when you're dealing with the adjuster for the nurse's insurance company, that's something you'll discuss with the adjuster. Some states have a set formula for payment of diminished value. In others, it is subject to negotiation. In an accident, if the damage turns out to be $1,000 or less, the diminished value you would likely be eligible for will be very, very small because the actual loss and value of your vehicle will also be small. But the most important thing, you know, Raj, is those precious children of yours were not hurt, right? That is true, sir. That is the big news. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com, and then our producer, Joel, reads your question, and I pop out an answer. Who you got one from, Joel? Clark got one from Dan. He says, do you recommend annual contracts with pest control companies for termite inspection? I recommend contracts for uh, termite bonds. Let me explain the difference. Most companies only want to talk to you about doing an annual inspection you pay for And if termites have been eating up your home, they only uh, cover retreating the home. They don't cover the damage to your home. What you want with a termite protection plan is you want a repair bond. And what that means 
and you'll pay more for it. But what it means is that you want the company to be your partner in preventing termite invasions. They have a direct economic incentive if there's a repair bond because then they have to pay to repair the damage to your home caused by termites. It means the inspections they'll do will be more thorough. They'll probably be more conscientious in taking care of your home. All right, and Dennis writes in, he says, where's the best place to buy and store gold and silver? Well, I don't want you to buy physical gold and silver because it's a pain. The price you get when you buy it, the price you get when you sell either, not very good. With gold, it's ultra easy. You can buy a gold fund where the fund handles storing, acquiring, and storing the physical gold for you. For silver, you can look at a number of funds. I have a guide at Clark.com that walk you through buying gold and precious metals and commodities. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where you're empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. I said earlier I wanted to talk about something about Social Security that I want you to be aware of way before you take Social Security, and it's this. I really want you to set up a My Social Security account online. Social Security used to spend a fortune sending an update of what's going on with your payout, pay-ins to Social Security and all that every year. And they've stopped doing that except for older people who are on the verge of receiving Social Security. So if you don't set up a My Social Security account, then you are flying blind. You don't know if your income's properly being reflected and the benefits that you might ultimately receive. And so it's a real easy thing to set up unless you have a credit freeze in place, in which case you're not allowed to do it till you thaw your, your credit report. So what I feel about that is when you do have a reason to thaw your credit if you've already frozen it, at that time, make sure that you, as one of the things you do besides applying for whatever loan or whatever you're going to do, is that you do set up the My Social Security portal. We have a link to it at Clark.com, and this is a way you're able to track. I was on a hotel shuttle bus in Florida recently and from the airport to the airport hotel, and the shuttle driver was explaining to me that he only works as a shuttle driver the number of days of the year that will keep him from earning past when his Social Security benefit starts to erode for earning too much money. Did you know there was such a thing? Well, if you retire before what's known as full retirement age, which right now is, I think, 66 years old, something like that, it, depending on when you were born, it's between 66 and 67. So if you retire and start taking benefits before that point, then the government starts eroding your benefit if you earn past around right now about 17 grand a year. So be aware of these things 
and know that above all else, if at all possible in your life, if it works, if you can delay taking your first Social Security check till your 70th birthday, in most cases, that's the best point to start taking Social Security. But overwhelmingly, people take it day one that you can start taking a partial check, which is on their 62nd birthday. So just think about that. Work a little longer. Have more money to spend in retirement. Get a larger Social Security check. It all works out. As long as you're working, you'll be happier the longer you wait because you'll have more to spend, more to live on in retirement. Jacob joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Mr. Howard. How are you? Great, thank you. But you got to call me Clark. Okay, Clark, how are you? Um, I'm currently calling for some advice. I'm a 21-year-old that's just really entering the workforce. I've been paying my own way since about 17 or 18 years old, and I ran into some credit problems. I had uh, I played college baseball, ran into a big injury. I thought I'd paid all my bills off, and then I created a Credit Karma account not too long ago, trying to build my credit up for the future. And I have actually about $700 to $800 left that I was not aware of. I moved, I transferred colleges, and I don't know if mail got lost in the midst of it. And so I've read a couple articles that stated that it's already done a, you know, the negative things to your credit, so there's no point in paying it off. Wait to seven years, and then it'll disappear. Not true but, with medical debt. Okay, okay. So that's, that, I'm calling for advice on that. Like, yeah. what, what exactly should I do? All right, so here's the story. Most people who have problems on their credit, it is medical debt. Right. And some of it is because the billing system in the country for medical debt is a joke. You know, when you have... Right. A procedure or surgery, whatever, you don't even know all the people that are attending to you. And a lot of them are what I call UFO bills. They never actually do show up because the person providing services may not ever even have a good address for you. Yeah, so that's what this was. This was, they sent my MRI results to somewhere else. And I guess that, they, that cost me. I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, and it was my fault. It was my lack of you know, staying on top of No, it, no, but. no, 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 no. Stop blaming yourself. It's not your fault that medical billing is so messed up. And right. I hear how responsible you are and that you want to take care of this. So this bill, is it in the hands of a collection agency or is it the original yes. medical provider? No, sir. It's in the hands because this is I'm twenty one now and this happened when I was eighteen and I'm just now becoming aware of it the past five or six months. All right. So the amount who knows if the amount is anywhere close to accurate that right. the debt collector is showing on there. Right. But this is just a single bill, or is there multiple bills well, that add up to it's, seven? Well, it's, 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 it's like three different bills, but it's all on the same uh, account under My Credit Karma. Like, it just splits it up, and then it adds it all together and says, this is how much I owe to this certain hospital. All right. So if you contact the hospital and say this is the first you knew about these bills, what is your procedure with that? And see if you are given an alternative other than making a deal with the collection agency. Right, but if you, right. if you make a deal with the collection agency and they agree that uh, they'll consider it paid in full if you pay X number of dollars, whatever that would be, 
you don't give them any money until you have in writing right payment of those dollars equals payment in full okay and okay. then then it's fine for you to pay them and depending on which version of the fico scoring model they use it will either once it's once it shows zero balance immediately no longer figure in your credit okay or it will just improve your status moderately but time will will heal it completely right and i mean i i got a student credit card um and i pay it off monthly and it's i mean it started to actually rise pretty dramatically um so is there any other advice on how to like raise credit at a young age i mean I don't have no as long account. as as long as you pay every bill on time every month and right. you use yeah, a small amount of your available credit on that credit card and then at some point i want you to get a second major credit card you will have done everything you need to do to have good solid credit now and in the future and i just hope that every medical professional hearing you jacob realizes how many people out there end up with medical bills that go past due and delinquent or get charged off or go to a collection agency where someone is the kind of person who's responsible like you are and it's just the bill never found its way to you you never knew the bill existed kelly's with us on the clark howard show hello kelly oh hi clark how are you I'm doing great. And yourself? Good, thanks. Awesome. Kelly, you got a question as a property mogul. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Um, it's great to be a mogul, but I don't know. Um, so I was uh, so fortunate several years ago to be able to buy a little house in Seattle, Washington, and didn't think I'd ever be a homeowner, but found out that I could. And uh, I had a great job and was able to pay my mortgage. Uh, then I moved to escape the big city and live in the country. And uh, we made the house a rental uh, just by fact that we didn't have time to sell it. Well, that rental has turned out to be a fantastic thing for me. Um, in we, Seattle, it's been a money machine. It has. It has. And so that's fantastic. Um, and I could be charging even more for rent, but we have friends living there. So I'm being nice because when I was young, people helped me out. Um, but I'm paying the mortgage with my rent, basically. But now I am in a position where I um, am making um, very little money. I make about $15 an hour. And uh, But living in Idaho, I'm only paying $485 a month for rent. So that would pay um, your rent for two days in Seattle. Exactly. And, the, and so my question is, I hear about everyone um, refinancing. And right now my interest on the um, Seattle house is uh, right around 6%. And Six? I had it. Woo! 6%. But Six? Okay. So you know what's so cute about that? There was once a time if somebody said they'd found a mortgage for 6%, people would be like, how did you ever get a rate that low? And now it's like, how are you paying that much? Yeah. And, and I really don't know anything about um, finance and refinance, and I'm an accidental mogul. And be, so I'm wondering, should I um, refinance? Uh, how much and- is the property... Uh, increased in value, like what's it worth versus what you owe? 
oh, sure, I have those papers here too, and, but I don't know right offhand, um, but I can probably find out for you. In Give me the best guess. Oh, um, I, I'm sure I have more than half of it paid off. Okay. Um, in, in fact, yes, I have about 17 more years to go to pay it off. Oh, but not, I'm not worried about that. I mean, has the home value gone up? Oh, like, yes, yes, yes. All right. The reason I ask is that when you want to do a refi on an investment property, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it gets pretty easy to do once your equity in it is past 30%. Okay. And we just had it assessed, but yes, my equity is past 30%. So we, doing a refi, what mm-hmm. will happen is that the interest rate you'll pay, because it's an investment property instead of your principal residence, will mm-hmm. most often be somewhere about three-eighths to half a point higher than what it would be if it was the house you were living in. Right. And that's what my refinance person was saying. My thought was to get the monthly payment down as low as I could for myself because I'm just not in a position anymore to, you know, even though my renters are paying it. I'm just wondering, should I try and pay it off? Well, see, I'm thinking differently. You have 17 years left. Mm -hmm. If you were to go into a 15-year refinance, you would end up cutting your interest rate and you'd cut two years off the loan. Mm-hmm. and your your tenants would be paying that for you, and right. ultimately you would build up equity at a really rapid rate to take mm-hmm. seven, what's a 17-year loan now and make it into a 30-year loan mm-hmm. seems like going the wrong direction. Okay, okay. And, yeah, and I am getting close to retirement. I'm like five years away. So think about how neat that would be that uh-huh. you would be extinguishing debt in that so quickly. Ultimately, okay. it becomes like a huge cash hoard for you Okay. that if you go to sell the property and you yep. clear huge money, sure. it funds a big chunk of what you need in retirement. Right. Oh, thank you so much because I haven't signed the refi papers yet. I was hoping to talk to you before I did to find out. And so it sounds like I need to really think about doing this 15-year. Yeah, and, it, you know, the the refinance person you're dealing with will be able to lay out what the monthly payment would be. And if I'm creating a back-breaking situation for you, ignore my advice. But if it's doable, you will really benefit and appreciate having that 15-year loan. Brianna's with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you? Great. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. You want to talk about a real estate agent, is that right? Yes. What happened? Sure. So I was renting an apartment with my boyfriend, and we sent the real estate agent via email some sensitive documents that had our social security numbers on them, driver's license, um, pretty basic information like that, but still sensitive that we originally did not want to send via email. Um, It kind of came to my attention later on after we had signed the lease and everything that the real estate agent had emailed another real estate agent with my email CC'd and my boyfriend's email CC'd. And it actually occurred uh, or came to my attention that it was the wrong email address for him. So the sensitive information went to an incorrect email address. Um, the real estate agent has been you know, wonderful about helping us with the process, but we just didn't know what steps we needed to take next to make sure that our information is secure. 
So there's only one thing that you can do under the law that will make any meaningful difference with things like your social security number and other personal key information leaked out there. Okay. And that is to do something called a credit freeze. Okay. Credit freeze will require for you and your boyfriend about 15 minutes of time. And what it does is, uh, uh, let me step back one step. I should step back. The individual who received the information may be someone who would never do anything bad with it. You know, most people are decent people. So don't just assume because it went to a a wrong email address that somebody is going to do something bad with it. But in the event that they did, the credit freeze is the only intelligent strategy to take. Because what it does is it locks your social security numbers down and no one can use them for an application to get a cell phone, to apply for a credit card, to apply for another apartment somewhere. Whatever it would be, the social security number is under lock and key. Okay, great. And how long should I freeze the credit for? Well, a credit freeze is permanent till you choose to either temporarily thaw it or to permanently thaw it. It is, okay. it is a procedure that requires more work on both of your time than anything else somebody would normally offer. There's something that's a joke the credit bureaus offer called a fraud alert, and it's a complete and total waste of your time to do one of those. Okay, great. So the credit freeze, if you want to see how it works and how to set it up, I've got a guide at Clark.com to do that. And... What will happen is after you set up the electronic freeze with each of the bureaus, you'll be issued a secret code that is what allows you to temporarily thaw or permanently thaw that file. And do not lose that code no matter what. Okay. Because <laughs> you lose that code, you want a pain in your life, that's a pain in your life. Okay, good to know. <laughs> but um, you want... In order to, to close this loop and end that concern, that's how you get it done. Awesome. That's what I'm going to do then. All right. Best of luck to you, and hopefully nothing bad will ever come from this. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 